Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Momming Autism Podcast, where we are providing a positive platform for parents to share their stories about raising special needs children. We are your hosts, Amanda DeLuca and Katie MD, and today we have the pleasure of bringing you an amazing advocate and fellow blogger, Laura Murphy of Mischief Mama. So welcome, Laura, and thank you so much for being here with us today. Great. Thank you so much for having me. So Laura, could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and um, about your journey with autism? Sure. I'm from New Jersey and our journey started about almost four years ago, actually coming up. And I remember like anybody else, I guess you start talking about your experiences when you try to find a story like yours and you don't. So you end up wanting to share with other people. So I started my blog, Mischief Mama, where I started talking about it and I just really wanted to connect with other parents and see how, you know, how they're dealing with all of this because it's so much. Um, I have a, my daughter's going to be seven. She was diagnosed around three years old. And I have a 15-year-old stepson and my husband. And um, I guess it's just a journey that doesn't end, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's changed and evolved so much since when I started four years ago. I agree. Um, my son is seven this month as well. And to think back on where we were when we got diagnosed, I was so um, a whirlwind and angry and um, scared. And now to see where we are at seven, I'm still in a whirlwind. But I feel like I have um, clarity now and purpose now and I can um find the joy now where I couldn't at the very beginning. Yeah, that's so true. So Laura, you um, have sort of a unique experience on why people follow you and how they find you. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. um, It's interesting, you know, when you're, when you're looking at all of your statistics and you can look at your, all the things um, within your blog on how people find you, the most interesting thing to me is everyone finds me over the handful of stories that I have called getting kicked out of daycare. Apparently I have a hundred people a day find my blog based on a Google search for that exact topic. So that's something I write about all the time, even though it's been years uh, that we've been without childcare. Um, The ongoing childcare issue as a working successful, you know, career woman is something I'm really passionate about writing about because it's such an issue that exists for so many of us then there's just no solutions. And I've had, and I write about it, I've had everyone involved. I've had social workers involved, organizations. There's really nowhere and nothing right now to solve this problem where I'm at. So can you kind of share about what that experience um, was like for you, for your husband, for your daughter? Um, Because my husband and I were talking about this tonight as I told him, you know, what we were going to be talking about and um, what the issue was and you know, he said, our only solution has ever been to have people come into our home to watch our kids. And that's not um, a reality for a lot of working people, especially um, if they both work nine to five jobs or, um, you know, if their kiddos are in other activities and things like that. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. And it's, it's changed. I mean, I want to say right before her third birthday, right before she was diagnosed, we, she was expelled from four daycares. Um, 
and she, that was she was between that two and a half to three year old and I look back now and I'm like she was cake back then like <laughs> she was so much easier to deal with back then and then I noticed you know once we got the diagnosis it started making sense on why she was doing things um one of the, like the the worst things for me that was so devastating is like having to explain this to people when you're you have a toddler and they're just looking at you like what do you mean they're thrown out and I'm like well apparently she aggressively ate her yogurt and, and played with the wood chips apparently this is a disturbing behavior oh. according to some of these people and one place was like I've never seen anything like this before then I went to my first ever right after that like parent support meeting and so many parents talked about that same place and how they said the same thing to them and I'm like so interesting I thought they never saw that before <laughs> <laughs> but um it was really hard I mean I've been through a lot I mean my husband works like a 12-hour shift so it, it was always on me when they when the phone calls would come and um and I used to work where I was traveling all the time and I'd have to like leave and it would take an hour to get there and that was the end of the world to these places and it led to me you know taking for a job that I was with over a decade it led to me taking FMLA which parents at that support group said to me you're losing your job and I'm like what are you guys talking about no I'm not and then no joke like a few months later I was losing my job so mm -hmm. it was really hard like I went through this whole like personal thing you know because I'm a super educated person I was really successful in my career and I wound up just starting over in a whole different field and going back and getting another master's and I mean I'm in higher ed now which is a lot more friendly and flexible for this kind of thing but it's it's been hard like nobody can afford and my husband and I do well you know how hard it is to afford you guys know a babysitter every single day after school it was mm -hmm. it was just insane like having to pay for all of that um I feel like that the infancy rate of childcare never went away for us which makes you know we haven't gone on vacation since 2017 because we're paying babysitters all the time but some of those sitters have really changed our life they've been incredible people and it's just been it's kind of evolved and right now like I think where we're at finally is with the pandemic me working from home for a year has kind of led to me working from home now permanently which is awesome but I think at this point now that I don't necessarily need daycare and she's seven you know that after school care or that that summer camp care it's now I have her asking me well mommy I want to go back to camp or why can't I do this and why can't I do that and that's that's what breaks my heart and that's really what pushes me now to start in again with some of these places going okay well it's three and four years later she's mm -hmm. not expelled for life we have to you know we can't treat these kids like something she did when she was three years old is you know is just so terrible so that's kind of where I'm at now is more advocating for if she wants to go and do these things I want her to have that experience if she wants to go to summer camp she wants to do this and it's just so hard because so many places I feel like I feel like they they put these expectations on these kids that are just not realistic or they get like mm -hmm. three strikes and with a kid with autism three strikes is you could do that in 15 minutes you know on a bad say, that's, day that's a, uh -huh. that's a Monday morning here yeah but then some days there's no strikes I mean it's just you know right mm -hmm. it's it's a really just heartbreaking it's a heartbreaking thing and I'm really passionate about it and I'm really trying to work with some local organizations to start some kind of programming for these kids because I don't think any kid should be turned away from no family should have to go through what I've been through like it was hard right. it was just like there were some really dark months there like I just don't like I think my goal right now is just really make sure that nobody has to deal with this is I really want to well, just like pave the way for saying 
this is not okay and this needs to change right well and that's you know um we have to work to have insurance yep we have to have insurance <laughs> to pay for the therapy yep. if we don't if we don't have insurance for the therapy then we have to work to be self-pay but in that mix somewhere someone has to have eyes on our children because um my son requires 24 hour supervision because he's impulsive and he doesn't understand danger. And if he wants something, he wants it right now. And that's not a fault. That's just a reality. And if we can't work to pay for these things and we can't send them to the daycare centers who are set up for children, then where are they supposed to go? What are we supposed to do? Um, and you know, you and I are here in the States and Katie um, is in Canada and things are different there. Um, but the system's still the same. <laughs> There's a cycle of life of we have to work, we have to have insurance, we have to have therapy, we have to have school and childcare. It's really, it's like the infrastructure to our life. And it's for the first time, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but for the first time ever in the last year during COVID, I feel like the rest of the world got to feel what my life has been like, unfortunately. Like mm -hmm. with the childcare crisis is happening, the COVID, everything's shut down. People have to go to work and they have nowhere to bring their kids. And I'm like, this is just like a Tuesday in my world. Mm -hmm. But I was like really hoping it would bring awareness, you know, to what we deal with just regularly. And you're right. We need, I need insurance. I need therapy. I need a career for myself too. I can't just live autism 24 seven. It's right. It's too much for anybody. And you know, I and that that was a lot of my life in the beginning. I ate, slept, breathed autism. And Katie, you were the same. Like everything else went on hold because autism was our life. And that was not healthy for me. And my husband will tell you, he lost me. Like I gave up on our marriage. I was only focused on autism and it was not a good time in my life for me. No, no, definitely. We get so focused on it, you know, mm -hmm. just, it's just so much. And then I get so focused on therapy and trying to to catch up, which is a whole other, I feel like as you go through this journey, you just, I feel like you grow up a little bit in, in your expectations too. Like we're not mm -hmm. gonna fix them. Like I feel like in the beginning, I'm like, okay, well let's try to, to hit these benchmarks. But it really mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Right. That's, um, Katie and I've talked about this a lot. Like our kids weren't hitting milestones on checklists. They were hitting their own wins. Um, and I almost missed them because I was so focused on this timeline and this window and these check marks. And Katie, you've said the same thing. Um, but as this journey goes and you let go of those things and shift your focus to more individualized on what your child needs and what you're seeing, it changes you. It changes the journey. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. I think, you know, we've really, we've talked about this pretty much so much just us in in a you know private conversation and then we've talked about it so much on the podcast um about how autism has you know affected our families and and changed our lives and kind of how you said amanda about um your marriage and things like that and um years ago if someone had said something to me was that all that mattered um, was autism the only thing that mattered? Like, did did my marriage matter? Did my other kids matter? Did, you know, me showering matter? And, and it wasn't that none of those things didn't matter. It was that I felt like none of those things could have my intention 
until I had the autism thing under control. Mm -hmm. But long behold, I was never going to have it under control. I was going to say, is it under control, Katie? How is it going? (laughs) No, it is not. But I'm a very, I'm a very, um, uh, kind of my personality and then also just the way that I am. I, I have like severe OCD and, and just like, um, I'm an organized person and I, I like charts and schedules and things and, and I like, you know, I just like the things. So, it, you know, it was really hard to um, kind of let go some of that control. And, and it was, I just found it so interesting because someone, you know, close to us had said like, you know, do these things matter? And, and like, there was a part of me that almost said like, no, they don't. And, mm-hmm. and I know they did, but it was just, I wanted to fix it. Not saying that my child needed to be fixed, but I wanted to fix all the hard that came with autism. Mm -hmm. I wanted to fix, you know, us not being able to go on family vacations. I wanted, I I thought there was a book or there was a chart or there was, there was a something and I was going to be the person to find it. And then we were going to be that family that can go on vacations, that can go to the mall together, that can do all of those things. And I wanted them now. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to wait. I didn't want, you know, to do, you know, seven years of ABA. I didn't want to do 10 years of, like, I just didn't want to do any of the things really for an extended period of time. I just wanted things to get better because we were so um, in the thick of uh, the hard and, and I just, we had no one. And, and I think that's kind of what it came down to at the very beginning for our journey. We didn't have anybody. I had nobody to talk to. I had nobody who even remotely understood our life. Um, it was way before the time of me being on social media and, you know, I just felt like no one else cared. Like nobody, you know, here's me, um, fighting for this mm-hmm. kid and fighting for our life and I really put myself on the back burner I put my marriage and everything but it was like no one else was fighting with me no one else um you know really cared but I also had a very hard time opening up um uh, about our life and and you know I look back now and I think how silly was it you know there would be people in our family that would ask us you know or ask me directly like how are things going and and I think I was still so, um, you know, just sucked in and um, carrying a lot of heavy feelings about everything that I would always just say fine. Yeah. I'd be like, fine, good, yeah. okay. Because I couldn't, I couldn't get into it because A, I knew that they would look at me like deer in headlights, like what is this, you know, what is she talking about? Um, or they were going to judge me or I was going to start crying or like, you know, and I just didn't want to do any of that. So I just kind of, you know, autism and me went down like the dark rabbit hole and mm-hmm. that was it. So for me, it was the, it was the control. If I told other people about it, it was me giving up more control and I needed to gain control over this diagnosis and this situation. And I can tell you five years later, I still don't have control on it. And I probably never will because as, <laughs> yep. quick, as quickly as I find a solution, key changes, behavior changes, environment changes, and that's going to be the roller coaster of our life. Uh-huh. I think I was the opposite. I was like word vomit to everybody I know about <laughs> everything that was happening to the point where people were like, yeah, I don't want to call her. Like, I'm scared to know what happened today. 
Like Why I did Katie you? not have your number? You and Katie <laughs> needed to exchange numbers. Definitely <laughs> did. That's so funny. Yeah. So Laura, can you also tell everybody um, you support um, a large population who have daughters specifically on the spectrum? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted a place for girls are so different. It's so different. Even with our own kids, we just see they're they're just so different. And I just wanted a place where we could talk about the unique issues that happen with girls. Girls Mm -hmm. present so differently. And there's just so many different variables with girls. And a lot of it, so many of us like have a late diagnosis too. I mean, not me, but so many people I meet because they just don't get noticed. So I just wanted like a place where parents could talk about daughters and like just the unique Mm -hmm. challenges of having a daughter. So I have a a group called, um, it's parents of girls with high functioning autism, which I want to take that label off, but it just seems to attract people. So I haven't, and I have about almost 4,000 people. It gets kind of crazy in there, but it's just nice to know that there's that many other people out there who, you know, come to the group looking for support or to talk about these issues. And you just get some good, you know, insight from other parents and what they deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had several moms on um, the podcast who have girls um, on the spectrum and it's like night and day. Um, the masking that you see with girls that I feel like we don't talk about with boys as much and um, puberty looks completely different um, for girls and boys and um, it is, it's its own unique journey I think. Yeah. <laughs> I just see it in my own house. It's just so, it's their night and day. It's mm-hmm. just so different. I keep hoping, um, Katie and I talked about this last week privately, but I keep hoping that we're just going to get a solid and they're going to be like, you know what? Puberty is going to be real easy on you because you've dealt with everything else. Like the universe is just going to gift us <laughs> a pass. And I, I don't think it's coming, but if I throw it out into the universe enough, I'm hoping that maybe they'll take it easy on oh us God. mine is so cranky and she's only seven i don't even want to think about what puberty is gonna be oh, like gosh <laughs> i, I got a few years it's gonna be crazy uh, yeah so um laura katie and i also um do a lot of iep work um at the table for parents and for teams and you know katie does it in canada and i do it down here in the states and um inclusive education is really important to you yes so can you talk about that since you, um, you know, you kind of have a different seat at the table than Katie and I both do? Oh, yeah, sure. It's so funny. Education is one of the things I love to talk about, but I always end up talking about autism. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so I wrote this viral piece about dumping kids with autism in gen ed. Um, it was back in like 2019 when my daughter was in kindergarten and we had, you know, I really wanted her in a gen ed class because she's got her IQ was like right around gifted. She's really smart. She's really social. She's very verbal. Like she, her issues are mostly behavioral and um, like what you would see in like an Aspie kid. So it was really important for me to make sure that she's challenged academically. And one of the most frustrating things ever was just, it was really frustrating. And her teacher was amazing. I always like to just say her teacher was very kind and very sweet, but Jenna teachers are not equipped to handle kids on the spectrum or kids again I don't want to say like to generalize everybody but the average ones are just not and I just think the way that special education is going right now with how far it's increasing how many kids have developmental disabilities that it's just not okay and if we want inclusion like we really need to 
to really just make sure we ha they have the tools to succeed and the support to succeed. So I've noticed like night and day between kindergarten and first grade right now, like for our son, he was out of district at this point, like going to a special school. And our daughter has been able to stay in because she's got, you know, we've been able to get her all those supports that she needs, you know, the para, and then she needs special ed teachers, you know, with push in. And then she's got, she lucked out this year and got a special ed teacher teaching gen ed, which is like unheard of. So, I mean, it's been mm -hmm. like the most amazing year for her. And I almost like wish I could just take this like group that she has and just bring them with me forever because they're amazing. And I just want... Like, like it can work like it's working this year she's having the best year she's ever had like you know in her whole life of she's been in school since she's three years old you know public school so it's just so important to just be you know if kids need that that they should be able to be included in a regular classroom and get to do what their peers do and so many I don't know about you guys, but I experienced so many parents that are always talking about how they want to like see our kids segregated and they shouldn't be in my kids' class. They're disruptive. They're this. And I'm like, what do you so is any kindergartner? Have you met a kindergartner before? They're no, all they're just like, a distraction. I always just like to remind people, I'm like, well, this is what my day looks like after school. You're going to soccer and I'm going to therapy. Like my kid is right. isolated and your kid's in summer camp. So I always like just tell people like inclusion is so important because my daughter is going to be a successful adult. She needs to know how to be integrated with regular people and to be able to get a job and do all those things. And you can't just like isolate somebody then expect them to do all those things because they've never been in the world before. That's just my, you know, it's just so important to me that for the parents who want their kids included, I understand, you know, there's definitely situations where the least restrictive environment is not a regular class or around typical peers. I understand that. And I would never like tell parents to you have to do it. But those of us that want our kids, like, I think it needs to happen and it needs to be okay. And it needs to just be that everyone needs the support to be successful. Mm -hmm. My, um, my mentor who I studied under, um, for my IEP course, um, says inclusion is an experience, not an environment. And I think a lot of people forget that, that even though our children are plopped, like you said, into a gen ed class. Being seated at a desk in a back corner with a para doing completely different work while the rest of the class is listening to the teacher looking to the front and your child is in the back, not even on the same subject matter. That's not inclusion. No. Just because they're in the room, that doesn't, it should be meaningful. And um, my son had to be self-contained this year because of COVID. He couldn't do the mask in the classroom behind a plexiglass barrier without getting up and wiggling. And um, we grieved that decision, but it's what had to be done because we've never done schooling in a pandemic before. Next year is going to look completely different, but his inclusion time needs to be meaningful, not all day just so that we can say he's yeah. in there. No, I agree with you. My daughter spends two periods a day in a self-contained classroom. She's not fully... Um, you know, they do it, you know, they do it, everything, like, we're just having such a good year. Like, everything is so tailored. It's such a personal thing. And I think the IEP process, it needs to be individual. It can't be generalized. Like, my daughter, I got a picture from her para today. She was pushing a, she has, like, little jobs now because she takes her breaks. And she was, like, she helps them out with little things. And she was pushing a cart of food to the kindergarten class to help out. Like, mm -hmm. it's just nice mm -hmm. to to just see it's not about just her sitting there doing different work. That's 100% right. not, not it. Yeah. 
Um, and I think it's also important for um, parents to understand if your child really excels at math, then let's make math an inclusion time. If they're struggling, don't push that. Um, you don't want them in a classroom of peers during a time where they're really struggling. That's also not beneficial. Uh, but if they excel in reading, then let's make reading an inclusion time. Um, I think so many parents think that it's either all or yeah. nothing. Um, and it's and it's not. It's not all no, or nothing. No, it's not. I have my daughter. Music is a trigger for her. So she does music with her self-contained class. Like I, it's like the opposite too. Yeah. Like if there's periods where they, they don't succeed, you might want to pull them for those things. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. So um, we always like to end on um, a tip or advice that you would have for um, another mama out there who may be listening. So it could be about anything. It could be about inclusion. It could be about advocacy work. It could be about raising girls specifically, just something that you wish somebody would have told you. Um, I think the struggle you have today is not the one you're going to have tomorrow. And every, is it all passes, you know, every, it's just, you got to keep up with just the changes. And I know it's really hard, but it'll definitely be okay. That's just something I needed to hear a few years ago. No matter how many friends you lose or people stop talking to you, you will find new friends and new people to fill, to fill it. Yep. And if they fall off of the face of the earth with you, they probably weren't that great. To exactly. Be so. <laughs> um, I think it's so important um, that you said the struggle you have today is not the struggle that you'll have tomorrow because Katie, that's like she said it straight to you, yep. girlfriend. I know. I was just thinking of that. <laughs> mm -hmm. She said that. Yep. Every day is different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Laura, can you tell everyone where they can um, follow you on social media so that they can keep up with you and all of the amazing work? Oh yeah, doing? sure. You can find me at uh, mischiefmama.com or on Facebook slash mischiefmama. And then my Medium account is where I post a lot of, a lot of things. Um, and I guess the handle for that will be in the bio since I don't know it off the top of my head. <laughs> yes, if you send it to me, I'll make sure that we put it in the episode description. So Laura, thank you so much for being with us this evening. You were the first guest of season two of the Momming Autism podcast, which I cannot believe that we've been doing this that long, but we have. And we hope all of you um, learned something this evening and took away just one piece of advice that helps make this journey a little less lonely. So thank you all so much. And we will talk to you next week. <laughs>